I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Realm presents First Street, Episode 7. Odessa smiled as she walked into the court on Wednesday morning. There was just one lone protester, Frank, the guy who was always there, shouting about one man, one vote, and that was it. There were usually so many more protesters, but it was the day before Thanksgiving, and she was looking forward to the four-day weekend. Gabriel was out of the office this morning, picking up his brother from the airport, which made the workday even better. It wasn't that she disliked Gabriel, but he was pretty intense, and working that closely with him on a daily basis could be exhausting. She walked into the elevator and nodded at Aubrey, but she was so much in her own world, she didn't even hear Audrey's first greeting, and she had to ask Audrey to repeat it. She needed to stop thinking about Jack all the time. But it wasn't easy, considering he'd left her bed just an hour ago. Jack was definitely going to be a distraction, and she had to finish her bench memo on the current voting rights case they were considering, which the justices were conferencing about that afternoon before the chief left to spend the weekend with his family. A number of the other clerks were taking off for at least a day, so it would be pretty quiet at the court. She'd be able to relax and get some work done. And then... She could smile to herself about Jack as much as she wanted without worrying other people were going to notice. The last thing she wanted was for the other clerks, or God forbid, any of the justices, to find out she and Jack were sleeping together. She'd warned Jack that he wasn't allowed to touch her, not even casually, anywhere within a block radius of one first street. But when she did that, Jack had said, What about like this? Ooh, or like this? I can't even do this. And then, well, they'd stop talking for a while. See, she was smiling right now. She couldn't help it. She knew she was acting like a teenager, but she hadn't expected things with Jack to heat up so quickly, or to be so much fun. He'd been flirting with her from the very beginning, but Jack had seemed like the kind of guy who did that with everyone. Plus, he'd just broken up with his ex-girlfriend, so she hadn't thought he'd wanted anything real. But over the past week, he'd been so kind and seemed so happy to be around her that she changed her whole view of him. She frowned down at her computer. She hadn't stopped to think about Jack's ex-girlfriend, Emily. Was he still hung up on her? Was this just a rebound? Was it too early to ask him about that? Yes. Yes, of course it was. She wasn't even sure what she wanted either, she just knew that being around Jack made her both relaxed and happy, 
and she'd been neither of those things for a long time. Someone walked by her office, and she snapped back to reality. She flipped open the binder full of research next to her computer. The facts about the voting rights case had shocked her from the beginning. Adam Poplaw, a Democrat, lost a special election to his Republican opponent by 29 votes, triggering an automatic recount. The recount was underway, but Mr. Poplaw was seeking a stay of the recount and to have the electoral results voided because of illegal voter tampering actions by his opponent. That was the dry summary she'd written. She was trying hard not to let her personal feelings influence her too much. She couldn't believe the local Republican Party had been so blatant and shameless. There was real evidence that at least 50 absentee ballots had been tampered with. Was that enough to void that election and call for a new one? That's what the lower courts had ruled, but the burden for doing something like that was really high. She was deep into the case law that both sides had proffered when Jack walked into her office. Hey, he said. It was nice to wake up with you this morning. Shh. Odessa jumped up and looked into the hallway to make sure no one had heard him. No, thank goodness. The coast was clear. She dropped back down at her desk. Jack, don't talk about stuff like that at the court, she whispered. He grinned at her, totally unfazed by her response. I just did that to tease you. I knew no one was around. She sighed and rolled her eyes at him. Dating, or sleeping with, or whatever they were doing, Jack Carriage was not for the faint-hearted. He stepped closer to her and lowered his voice. I have a surprise for us tonight. Are you in? Odessa looked at him suspiciously. What kind of surprise? His grin got wider. That would be telling, wouldn't it? But I swear you'll like it. Can you be ready to leave at six? She looked down at the work spread around her desk. She had no idea what this surprise would be, but Jack looked so excited, she couldn't disappoint him. Yeah, I think so. Okay, fine, I'm in. He touched her hand, just for a second. Great. He beamed at her, and then cleared his throat. What are you working on? The voting rights case. What about you? He sighed. More of the embryo stuff. That is the case that will never end, right? I'm so tired of it. Odessa shrugged. I think it's really interesting, actually. And so sad, too. I feel really bad for those grandparents. Jack came around her desk to stand next to her. She should tell him to move farther away, but the truth was, she liked him that close. They aren't grandparents, though, Jack said. That's their whole PR strategy, to call themselves grandparents. They may want to be grandparents, but the embryos aren't children, and they have no rights to them. Odessa sat back. How can you say that so definitively? I'll grant you that they aren't actually grandparents, but the law is unclear about whether they have rights to the embryos. Just because the mother doesn't want them doesn't mean they should be destroyed. Jack shook his head again. She's not the mother. She's their former daughter-in-law. And while it's tragic that their son died, that doesn't give them the right to use those embryos without her consent. She has ownership of them. They don't. Charlotte walked into the room, and Jack stepped away. At least it was only Charlotte, who already knew they were sleeping together. Were you guys talking about the embryos case? Charlotte asked. Yeah, Odessa said. Jack is on your side, but I'm still on the fence. I don't think ownership is that cut and dry for one thing. Charlotte opened her mouth, and Odessa was sure it was to argue with her. She had no desire to go toe-to-toe with both Jack and Charlotte, so she changed the subject. What about the voting rights case? Have you been working on that? Charlotte nodded. I just finished my bench memo. The facts in that case are so interesting. I absolutely agree with the lower courts. I think this meets the standard to call for a new election. Odessa frowned. I think I agree with you. But what about this case that Virginia cited? Didn't you worry that it indicated... Jack patted them both on the shoulder and stepped to the door. I'll leave you two to throw yourselves into a discussion of voting rights. See you later. Charlotte waited a few seconds, then turned around to Odessa with a big smile on her face. You two can barely keep your hands off each other. 
Odessa dropped her head into her hands. I know, I know. I told him we can't let people figure it out here. People other than you, I mean. But when he looks at me like that, how are we supposed to prevent it? You need to learn how to be better at keeping secrets, that's for sure. Oh, wait, before I forget, are you cooking something for Thanksgiving at the house tomorrow? You didn't put it in the spreadsheet. Odessa nodded. Oh, yeah, mac and cheese. Charlotte pulled out her phone and added it. Okay, so as I was saying about that case that Virginia cited. After Charlotte left, Odessa went back to finish her bench memo with renewed confidence. Talking to Charlotte had made her feel even more firm about her initial decision to recommend that the court affirm the lower courts and call for a new election. The behavior of the local Republican Party was too egregious, and the evidence that they changed absentee ballots was clear. She was glad that this was one of those instances where the law was on her side. At exactly 5.55 p.m., Odessa saw Jack walk by her office, then 30 seconds later, walk by her office in the opposite direction and laughed to herself. At least this meant he took her admonition to play it cool at work seriously. That, or he saw that Gabriel was in the office and wanted to be extra careful. Okay, Gabriel, I'm taking off. Odessa spoke loudly enough so someone in the hallway would be able to hear her. Gabriel barely turned away from his computer. Bye. Odessa put on her coat, grabbed her bag, and walked down the hallway toward the elevator. Jack was ahead of her. He didn't turn around when she walked out, and he started down the stairs before she got to the elevator. She didn't see him again until she walked out the side door and found him standing on the sidewalk, looking through his bag. Oh, hi, Odessa, he said. I was just looking through my bag here to make sure I didn't leave my keys on my desk, but here they are. He pulled his keys out and held them up in front of her dramatically. She rolled her eyes at his attempt at running into her casually. Hi, Jack, she said. Walking home? They fell into step next to each other. Driving home, actually, he said. My car's around the corner. Want a ride? What on earth was this surprise of his? Sure. Odessa waited until they were well away from the court, and then lowered her voice. We aren't going home, are we? Jack grinned. When they got in his car, he glanced from side to side, then leaned over and kissed her hard on the lips. Jack, we're still so close to the court, Odessa said. Jack started the car. I know, I know, but I couldn't help myself. I haven't kissed you since this morning. It's been far too long. Odessa shook her head. I knew if I woke you up, you'd think me late to work. Jack put his hand on her knee as he drove down Independence Avenue. You already know me so well. Odessa checked her hair in the car mirror and touched up her lipstick. I have no idea where you're taking me. Hopefully I'll look okay. He stopped at a red light and looked her up and down. You look perfect. She tried to brush the compliment off. She didn't want to get too attached, remember? She should change the subject. How long will you be at your parents' house for Thanksgiving tomorrow? Jack made a face and turned his attention back to the road. As little as I can get away with, without my mom giving me that disappointed look, or getting into a yelling match with my dad, which could mean anywhere from four hours to 15 minutes. I guess we'll see. He shrugged. I wish my sister was going to be there but she managed to escape this year to her boyfriend's house. At least tomorrow, it's just the three of us, and I don't have to put on a show and pretend we're the perfect happy family for my dad's friends. As stressful as it is to just be around my parents, I hate doing the whole dog and pony show for their friends. Odessa put her hand on his. He didn't turn away from the road, but she saw him smile. Feel free to text me to vent anytime. He laughed. I might take you up on that, though I'll have to do it in fits and starts. My mom always insists on family dinner with our phones in another room. I still can't believe my dad agrees to that, but I guess he has to throw her a bone sometimes. Odessa sent up a tiny prayer of thanks for her family. They might drive her up a wall sometimes, but her parents and her brother had always been a safe place for her to land. 
Sometimes, she took that for granted, but she'd try not to anymore. They pulled into a parking garage, and Odessa followed Jack out and in the direction all of the other people were walking. They turned a corner, and suddenly she realized where they were going, and why. She stopped. That's the Kennedy Center. Is that where we're going? Jack was a few steps ahead of her, but he turned and came back. He had a big grin on his face. Oh no, it sure is. Do you know what tonight is? She nodded with a lump in her throat. Opening night for the Nutcracker, isn't it? Jack took her hand and started walking again. She had no choice but to follow. It is. A friend of a friend has great seats but couldn't use them, so I got them for us. I saw that picture in your room of you and the Nutcracker as a kid with your family. When's the last time you've seen it? Oh, God. Jack had been so thoughtful, or at least tried to be. Um, she cleared her throat. A long time. Almost ten years. That wasn't exactly true. The truth was that she'd never actually seen the Nutcracker. She'd only ever been in it. Starting when she was five, every year until she was 17. It was the last ballet she'd ever been in. She looked around at the other people streaming toward the Kennedy Center and stopped again. Are you sure I'm dressed okay? She said to Jack. There are people in gowns. I just have on a suit and my hair is all. Jack grabbed her hand again and pulled her ahead. You look great, like I said, and your hair is up in a bun. Perfect for the ballet, don't you think? She sighed. Yeah, perfect for the ballet. Odessa wished she hadn't said yes to Jack's surprise. If he'd told her this morning that he'd gotten tickets to the ballet, she could have easily used work as an excuse to get out of it. But now he looked so excited and proud of himself that she didn't have the heart to tell him she didn't want to do this. She very much did not want to do this. She'd been avoiding everything having to do with ballet for years. Why did this have to happen tonight? She could have found a way to ease into it, listen to some Tchaikovsky, make Charlotte watch center stage with her. After a few months of things like that, she would be fine. Instead, she was going to have to rip off the Band-Aid with no warning. Well, they said sometimes that was the better way of dealing with things like this, didn't they? Who they were, she had no idea, but someone must have said that. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. 
Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Is everything okay? Jack asked her after they'd been in their seats for a few minutes. You've been really quiet since we got inside. Oh, she made herself laugh and shook her head. Still focused on that voting rights case. I really hope they go the right way on this one. I'm wondering when we're going to find out. They have to make a decision fast if they're going to call for a new election. Jack looked around and nudged her. We probably shouldn't talk about things like that here, he said. You never know who's in this building. Right. Odessa clasped her hands together. She couldn't believe she talked about court business in a regular voice out in public in a place like the Kennedy Center especially. She'd been so intent on making Jack think she was fine, she talked about the first thing she could think of, work. Sorry, I don't know what's gotten into me. He laughed and put his arm around her. It's okay. You don't have to look so stricken. It's not like you broke any news. But one thing is for sure, you need a break from work. How about we relax and listen to some music and look at some dancing? She forced a smile on her face. Great idea. Soon, the lights went down, and the orchestra started playing the overture. It was so familiar to her, even after so many years of not hearing it. Her whole body tensed at first, but after a few moments, she relaxed. She could do this. It would be fine. The children ran out on stage for the decoration and lighting of the Christmas tree, and she forced herself to watch. She'd been one of those little kids once. She remembered the first time she was ever on stage, just a ballet recital when she was tiny, but she'd loved every single thing about it. And then when she'd made it to the Nutcracker, as one of those kids up on stage in almost exactly that same costume, she'd been overjoyed. She smiled as she watched them. Ballet had many happy memories for her, too. She'd forgotten all of that. The end had been so sudden, so hard, so heartbreaking, that she'd buried all of the good times and the triumphs and the glory as if they'd never existed. It was good to remember all of that. And then it was act two, and the sugar plum fairy came on stage. Her dream role, ever since she was a little girl. Hadn't it been every little girl's dream role? But it hadn't been just a dream. It was a goal she'd set her sights on. She'd worked hard for it, planned precisely when it would be hers. When she'd hear that music, the whole audience knew, and it would be her cue to dance. Just the sight of that classic, perfect tutu made tears come to her eyes. And when the dance started, the tears streamed down her face. There was nothing she could do to stop them. There were so many they blurred her vision. But she could still see the stage. She could still see the dancing. Odessa, Jack whispered in her ear. She'd forgotten all about him. Is, is something wrong? Are you okay? She couldn't talk so she just shook her head. Do you want to go? She shook her head again, and then almost immediately nodded. Jack immediately got up, and she followed him down the dark aisle to the exit. Thank God they walked by a bathroom on their way out of the building. She'd barely stopped crying, but her face probably looked awful. Too bad she wasn't one of those women who could cry prettily, with just one tear trickling down her cheek. Um... I'm going to run into the bathroom for a second. 
Jack nodded, a frown on his face. Okay, I'll be right here. She looked in the mirror as soon as she walked into the bathroom. It was worse than she'd imagined. She'd forgotten that she'd put both mascara and eyeliner on today. Now she had black streaks all over her cheeks, and her eyes looked red and puffy. She splashed cold water on her face over and over, and then got toilet paper from one of the stalls to wipe the makeup off. One of her college friends, who was studying to be a psychologist, had told her that splashing your face with cold water was a shock to the system and could help in emotional situations. She hoped it worked right now. When she walked out of the bathroom, Jack still looked concerned. He took her hand firmly and walked with her out of the building. He didn't say a word until they got back into his car. I'm I'm sorry, sorry, they said in unison. Odessa laughed shakily, and Jack smiled. Let me start, Jack said. I'm sorry for bringing you there and for not asking you about it first. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, though I want you to know, I hope you already do know, that you can talk to me about it. Odessa realized, to her surprise, that she actually did want to talk to him about it. She nodded. I do know that. And yeah, I do want to talk. Jack started the car. There's a quiet wine bar not far away from here. Let's go there. Unless you want to go back to the house, but she shook her head. The wine bar seems fine. She smiled weakly. I could use a glass of wine right about now. They drove there in silence. After a few blocks, Jack reached for Odessa's hand, his eyes still focused on the road. Odessa slid her fingers through his and held on tight. They got a table in the corner. It was almost deserted, so they had their choice. Odessa wondered for a moment why it was so empty. Then she remembered Thanksgiving was the next day. The whole city, except for them, was on their way out of town. The waiter came over, and Jack ordered glasses of wine for each of them and the cheese plate. How was she going to tell him this story? She hadn't talked about the ballet in a very long time. You don't have to tell me, Jack said, after a few moments of silence. We can leave it at, ballet is a sensitive issue for Odessa, no more surprise trips to the ballet, and drink our wine and eat our cheese and be done with it. I swear that's okay. But if you want to talk, I'm here. Odessa took a deep breath just as their waiter set two glasses of wine in front of them. She picked hers up and took a sip. Thank you for saying that. It's not that. I don't want you to think I'm hesitating because I don't trust you. That's not it. But when I stopped dancing, about ten years ago now, that was the hardest thing in my life. I've mostly pushed it aside and tried to ignore it ever since. And then tonight, she held up a hand as Jack tried to cut in. No, please, don't apologize again. You had no way of knowing. She sighed and sat up straight. She should just spit it out. I have arthritis. That's why I had to stop dancing. I was in pain for years, and I kept trying to ignore it. But finally, I couldn't anymore. And the doctors told me I could never dance again. It still hurt when she thought about that day and the days after it. That probably wouldn't have stopped me, but my parents wouldn't let me go on. Ballet was my life. I started dancing when I was three years old. I thought I would be, well, I thought I would be one of those dancers up there on stage tonight. Obviously I'm not. I developed rheumatoid arthritis when I was 17 and had to stop. I thought I was over it, But tonight showed me I'm still mourning the life I thought I'd have. Understanding dawned on Jack's face. Is that why you always take the elevator? Are you still in pain? She shrugged. Sometimes. Not like it was then. Then I was in so much pain, around the clock. I was dancing for eight, ten hours every day. And I was putting my body through so much. Now I'm still in pain sometimes if I overexert myself. But that's why I do things like take the elevator or grab the ground floor room to make it easier. Jack reached for her hand again. I'm so sorry, Odessa. 
Sorry that you had to go through that. And for every stupid comment I've probably made in the past few months about why you were walking slowly or wouldn't take the stairs or any of that. She squeezed his hand and shook her head. You never did, actually. And I would remember. The times people have said, Why are you so lazy? It's only one floor, to me. Just because someone looks perfectly healthy doesn't mean anything. She took another sip of wine. Anyway, I don't tell most people about the arthritis. I usually avoid people who want to go hiking or whatever, and Jack dropped the piece of cheese he just picked up. You have to go running with the chief, don't you? Odessa sighed. Yeah, sometimes. Jack's cheeks got pink. She knew after the past few months that was a sign he was angry. But that's not fair. You shouldn't have to do that. You're in pain the next day. A lot of pain, aren't you? She had to calm him down. Jack, yes, I'm in pain the next day. Sometimes even on the run itself. I'm not going to deny that. But please, I know you want to be all Captain America here and talk about the ADA and everything, but this isn't something I want the chief to know. And this isn't something I'm going to fight. So please, don't try to make me. Jack stared at her for a minute, then picked up his glass of wine. Okay, you're right. This is your body. It's your life. I just don't want you to hurt yourself all over again for this job, okay? It's not worth it. You're more important than the Supreme Court. Despite her protests, his concern for her moved her. She loved how he tried to take care of her, and she loved just as much that, when she told him not to, he listened to her. I'll take care of myself, I promise. They finished their wine and cheese, and then ordered more of both, and, at Jack's insistence, the charcuterie plate. They stopped talking about the ballet, and arthritis, and the Supreme Court. Jack asked her about her family, and she told him more about her parents and her twin brother. She knew he never liked to talk about his parents, so she asked him about that summer camp he'd spent so much time at. They laughed as they talked about the terrible TV show all of the clerks were addicted to. Odessa had never felt closer to Jack. On the way back to Jack's car, Odessa stopped him. Thank you for surprising me with something you thought would make me happy, for noticing there was something wrong, for listening to me tonight. I really appreciate it. She pulled him down for a kiss. He smiled at her as they separated. Let's go home. My room or yours. She laughed and smacked his arm. They got in his car, and then she turned to him with a smile on her face. Mine. The next morning, Jack woke up in Odessa's bed. What time is it? He whispered to her. She reached over to her nightstand and picked up her phone. 6.30. Why, do you have somewhere to be? He kissed her cheek. Yeah, I have to be upstairs in my room by the time Gabriel gets back from the gym. That is, unless you want him to see me doing the walk of shame up the stairs. Odessa sat up straight. Doesn't he usually go right to court? Not today. It's Thanksgiving. Oh, right. Good point. He usually leaves around 5.30, right? Jack was already pulling on his clothes. Yep. And he wakes me up every morning on his way down the stairs. I'm guessing he'll be back soon. He grabbed his shoes, kissed her again, and tiptoed up the stairs to his own room. He pulled his phone out of his pocket to text Odessa as soon as he got inside. Made it without a Gabriel sighting. God. He wished he could stay in the house all day instead of going home for Thanksgiving dinner. Just the thought of having dinner with everyone here sounded so comfortable and peaceful, but he couldn't do that to his mom. Even though she drove him crazy sometimes, he couldn't not show up for Thanksgiving dinner. It would crush her, and it would invariably cause a huge fight with his dad, and that would upset her too. His phone lit up with a response from Odessa. See you later? At least he knew, no matter what he had to deal with today, he'd be coming home to Odessa tonight. He texted her back. Absolutely. He still felt terrible that he'd made her cry at the ballet. 
Yeah, yeah, it was the ballet that did it, not him. But it still felt like his fault, no matter how many times she tried to tell him it wasn't. But she seemed to have forgiven him, and she trusted him with her story. He hoped she knew how much that meant to him. He should probably tell her that later. Jack's dad barely looked up from the newspaper when Jack walked into his parents' house. Nice of you to make it, his dad said. Jack hated that condescending tone his dad always used with him, which was, of course, why he used it. Jack wanted to yell at him, but his mother caught his eye and shook her head. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Dad, he said. Hi, Mom. Happy Thanksgiving. His mom came up to him and gave him a tight hug. Good to see you. Dinner will be ready in about 15 minutes. Would you like something to drink? Absolutely, he said. His mom poured him a bourbon on the rocks, and he took a long sip. He wished he could finish it in one gulp, but he wanted to be able to drive home as soon as dinner was over. He had to pace himself. Is there anything I can help with in the kitchen, Mom? Oh, no. His mom shook her head. The staff has it all taken care of. Jack thought about the scene he'd walked past on his way out of the house. Charlotte, Gabriel, Odessa, and Gabriel's brother, Julio, all in the kitchen. Charlotte with her laptop open, being very specific about recipes. Gabriel barking orders to Julio, who oddly seemed delighted to do whatever he said, and Odessa helping everyone else out. He wished he was back there. Oh, don't forget, your phones, please. I can't trust either of you not to check your phones at the table. His mom held out her stupid phone basket to Jack and his dad. They both sighed and took their phones out of their pockets and dropped them inside. She disappeared to take the phones to her hiding place. Luckily, Jack knew that her hiding place was in the guest bathroom. He'd been sneaking up there for years to check his phone during dinner. What's wrong over there at the court? His father barked out as soon as they sat down at the table. Jack took another sip of bourbon. At this rate, he wouldn't be able to drive home until late tonight. Excuse me? His dad snapped the Washington Post in the air. Don't you pay attention to what's going on at the Supreme Court, son? Or do you just hide out in the chambers of what's-her-name and hear nothing? Jack forced himself to take a deep breath. Of course I pay attention. There are many things you could be referring to. Please be more specific. His dad threw the paper over to his side of the table, almost dropping it in the green beans. This Virginia voting rights nonsense. I can't believe they decided to order a new election in that case. And that imp, my staffer, had to learn about it from a blogger who seems to have some sort of privileged access to the court's decisions this year. What is Maxwell even thinking? I'm going to have to give him a piece of my mind. Jack assumed he was referring to Dana. How did she get her information anyway? From what Odessa said at breakfast, Dana had published the results two hours before they were publicly available. Someone was leaking to her, and it was a problem. It had to be someone in the chief's chambers, which made Gabriel candidate numero uno. The court didn't order a new election, Jack said. They simply decided not to take up the case. It was the lower courts that decided to order the new election. The court let those decisions stand. Jack's dad brushed his explanation away. Semantics. The result is that there's going to be a new election, and they let the damn Democrat win this round. I'm going to have to work hard to make sure we don't lose that seat now. Jack smirked at his dad. Don't work too hard. That's what caused the new election in the first place, you know? Guys like you, overdoing it. Jack's mom frowned at him. He looked down at his plate. He shouldn't have said that, but it was too fun to resist. He loved it when his dad was upset about anything, but especially what went on at the court. Anyway, Maxwell is going to be hearing plenty from me soon. Jack looked back up. That smug look was back on his dad's face. Not good. I filed an amicus brief on that case about the embryos, and I'll be arguing it myself in a few weeks. Make sure you get a seat in the courtroom early. I'm sure it'll be packed. His dad was going to argue his amicus brief? Himself? 
What a circus that would be. Are you serious? Jack put his silverware down. That's ridiculous. His dad took a swig from his own bourbon glass. I know you seem to think you're the only lawyer in the family now, son, but I've been a lawyer since before you were even thought of. And this is a case with national importance. Of course I'm getting involved. He had that self-satisfied, pompous smile on his face that Jack hated so much. You don't care in the slightest about this case or any of the people involved, Jack said. All you care about is yourself. You just want to go into court and grandstand and get headlines. But these are actual people and their lives are at stake. People like you are why everyone hates politicians. Jack! His mother looked horrified. Jack took a deep breath. Why did he always let his dad do this to him? I apologize, he stood up. Excuse me for a moment. He walked out of the dining room and straight to the guest bathroom. He needed to take a moment and let his blood pressure go down and to text Odessa. That would make him feel better. He reached into the basket and pulled out his phone and saw a text from Emily. I miss you. When can I see you? What the hell? He hadn't heard from Emily in months, and she was texting him now to say this? She still hadn't explained why she'd broken up with him. She hadn't responded to any of his messages. And then, months later, out of the blue, she says she misses him? Months ago. Hell, maybe even a month ago, he would have been overjoyed to get this text. But now? He felt panic more than joy. Because now there was Odessa especially after last night, how open they'd been with each other, how connected he'd felt with her. It felt like they were on a path that could lead somewhere, somewhere great. Did he want to spoil all of that and give Emily another chance? He thought about that for a long moment, then went to unlock his phone to respond. Wait, why wouldn't his phone unlock? He knew he was typing the code in, right? Then the other phone in the basket buzzed with an incoming text. He picked it up to look at it. How's dinner going with your parents? You think you'll be back here for dessert? Charlotte's making pie. He grinned at Odessa's text and unlocked his phone to respond to it. But wait. If Odessa was texting him on this phone, who had Emily texted? He looked back at the other identical phone in his hand his dad's phone. Why was Emily, his father's employee, texting I miss you to her boss? Why was Emily, his ex-fiance, texting I miss you to his dad? Jack slid his own phone into his pocket and typed in his dad's passcode. Like any true narcissist, his dad used his own birthday. Jack feared for the country's national security with his dad and his terrible infosec practices for someone so high in the government. He went straight to the messages from and to Emily and scrolled back. He didn't have far to look. You look so sexy in that dress today. It's the one you bought for me, remember? Of course I remember. Take it off for me later. It only got worse from there. Holy shit. His father was having an affair with Emily. It made no sense, and yet it made perfect sense. How long had it been going on? He had to know. He kept scrolling back and back and back until he found a text from Emily with his answer. I had so much fun with you this weekend. It was so nice to be alone together. When can we do it again? That had been the weekend, a month before Emily had broken up with him, when Emily had said she was going to a bachelorette party. Who knows where his dad had said he was. Jack's hands were shaking. All this time, when he'd needed answers, they had been right in front of his face. Jack took pages of screenshots of the texts, sent them to his phone, and deleted the screenshots from his dad's phone. He felt like he'd never believed this was actually true, and not a waking nightmare, unless he had proof. He dropped his dad's phone back in the basket and walked down the stairs. He couldn't see his father right now, not unless he wanted to punch him in the face. And while he really, really did, instead he walked straight out of the house.
Charlotte consulted her spreadsheet. Okay, Gabriel. The pie comes out of the oven in five minutes. So after that, you can put the turkey in. Thirty minutes ago, Gabriel had attempted to move her pie to a lower rack in the oven. But the recipe had been very specific that the pie had to be on the middle rack. She'd never made a pie before, but it was Thanksgiving, and pumpkin pie was her favorite. So she'd found what the internet said was the best pumpkin pie recipe. What all do you have on that spreadsheet anyway? Gabriel asked her. She turned her computer so he could see it. What everyone in the house is making, what the other clerks are bringing, and then, for what we're making, links to the recipes, if I have them, and the times everything should go into and come out of the oven. It helps to stay organized for holiday meals, so everything isn't chaotic. I don't like chaos. Gabriel glanced at her spreadsheet. Wow, that's detailed. He went back to looking at his phone. I don't understand why you aren't upset that the court is going to allow another election in that voting rights case. They didn't even hear it. Gabriel had been ranting about this all morning, ever since they'd gotten the news. Charlotte ignored him and gestured to the turkey, sitting in its roasting pan on the counter. Can you move that out of the way? I need to put the cooling rack for the pie there. Julio jumped up to help Gabriel move the turkey. He looked a lot like Gabriel, only on a smaller scale. He also had a certain earnestness about him that Gabriel lacked. Thanks, Julio, Gabriel said. Odessa, do you need any help with the macaroni and cheese? Julio, do you want to help her out? Sure, whatever you need, Julio said, as he walked to the sink to wash his hands. Odessa looked up from her phone and smiled at Julio. If you want to help me grate the cheese, I'd really appreciate it. I had no idea how long it would take to grate it all. Sure, no problem. When the timer went off, Charlotte took her pie out of the oven and put it on the cooling rack. Gabriel almost tripped her on his way to move the oven rack to accommodate the turkey. Odessa rolled her eyes, and Charlotte grinned. It was nice to have someone share looks like that with her. Charlotte went to the bathroom, now that she didn't have to guard her pie from Gabriel anymore. When she came back, Odessa and Julio were sitting next to each other at the kitchen table, both shredding cheese, and Gabriel was standing at the kitchen counter, staring at Charlotte's laptop. What are you doing? He looked up at her with a start and clicked over to a different tab. Oh, I was just looking at the turkey recipe, since you had them all linked here. I couldn't remember if the turkey had to stay in the oven for seven minutes a pound or eight minutes a pound, but here we go. The recipe says seven minutes a pound, so I'll just... None of that was true. She'd seen what he'd had open on her laptop when she'd walked in. That tab she'd had open for weeks, the one she'd almost memorized by this point, the what to do if you suspect a family member has Alzheimer's tab. She shouldn't have left it open. She shouldn't have brought her laptop into the kitchen. Now Gabriel knew what was going on with Russo, she was almost sure of it. After the way he'd nosed around that day Russo hadn't shown up to court, Charlotte had known she had to be careful around him, and she'd still let this happen. She'd known, as soon as she figured out something was wrong with Russo, that she had to prevent anyone else finding out. If this became public, it would be a catastrophe. What if Gabriel told the chief? Maybe if she pretended everything was fine, he wouldn't think it was a big deal. Or should she try to mention something about her grandmother at dinner so he would think that's who she was talking about? No, she knew herself too well. She would be way too obvious when she did that, and he would know why she was doing it. She wished Jack were here. He understood how to do subterfuge a lot better than she did. But he wasn't. So Charlotte took the first opportunity to whisk her laptop back to her bedroom and race back to the kitchen. She could access the spreadsheet on her phone. She should have done that in the first place. It would have been much safer. She tried to forget about Russo as they finished cooking. There were going to be more people coming to their dinner than they'd initially planned, and now Charlotte was grateful for that. There'd be fewer possibilities that Gabriel would be able to corner her and ask questions about Russo that she wouldn't know how to answer. She felt a touch on her shoulder and jumped. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you, Robert said. He took a step backward. No, it's okay. I didn't know it was you. Charlotte said. Did you bring the rolls? He nodded and held up a grocery bag. Got the last ones at the store last night. 
How's cooking going? She took the bag from him and put the rolls on a plate. Good, great. Um, how are you? He smiled at her. Good. Glad to be here. He opened his mouth to say something else, but Odessa walked over. Oh, great, the rolls, she said. Robert, can you put them on the table? Charlotte, anything else you need me to do? They all made their way into the big dining room no one ever used and set the food on the sideboard. Gabriel made a long toast, welcoming everyone to his house and about how Thanksgiving was a true American holiday and so on. He was still talking when the front door opened and then slammed closed with a bang. A few seconds later, Jack walked into the dining room, scooped food onto a plate and dropped down in the seat next to Odessa. He grabbed the bottle of wine from the table and poured himself a full glass. Charlotte saw Odessa put her hand on his arm and whisper something to him. Jack shook his head and leaned away from her. Odessa dropped her hand. Charlotte tried to meet Odessa's eyes again, but Odessa looked down at her plate. And once again, thank you all for being here, Gabriel said. Happy Thanksgiving. He lifted his glass to the room. Jack laughed and took a long drink from his glass. Happy fucking Thanksgiving. You're listening to First Street by Jasmine Guillory, starring Janina Edwards. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. First Street is created by Catherine McKenzie and written by Catherine McKenzie, Jasmine Guillory, Alyssa Friedland, Sean Klomperens, Randy Susan Myers, and Kermit Roosevelt III. It is produced by Haley Wagreich and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.